The 221st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to get you ready for Carolina and Virginia. That game will come your way on Saturday night, 6 p.m. on ESPN um, as Carolina plays one of their two remaining quad one games the rest of the way in a, in a game that will either make or, or break their their NCAA tournament lives. We'll get you up to date on the state of the Wahoos. Same thing for Carolina. Take a look back at that first matchup in Charlottesville and, of course, give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod, Thought of the Day, which is brought to, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And... We go to a current member of the Carolina team, no. and I found this one really uh, interesting to say the least. Uh-oh. Uh, from our guy, Dontrez Styles. We're both fans of Dontrez as a guy that uh, we want to see uh, have much uh, a much larger role on the team, but that hasn't really happened. Uh, and there's a, a quote from him that is, quote, pouting doesn't get you anywhere. And so I would hope with that one quote that Dontrez Styles hasn't pouted, and that's not the reason why he's not seeing the court. I hope that there are other factors involved into his limited uh, role on the team right now. But in the in the in the grand scheme of things, Carolina can't afford to pout either. They can't afford to pout at being seventeen and eleven and nine and eight on 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 the year. That's my job, and I'm a pretty darn good powder. So I'll sit here and I'll pout my tail off. But no one feels sorry for Carolina. No one feels sorry for how underwhelming and how disappointing this team has been. So they don't have the option to pout because they're not going to be able to pout their way into the tournament. They're going to have to win their way into the tournament, uh, primarily starting on uh, on Saturday in this game against Virginia. And the Wahoos are coming off a pretty disappointing loss earlier this week to a improving uh, Boston College team, but Virginia twenty-one and five on the season. They are thirteen and four 
in the ACC. They are a half game behind Miami for the top spot in the conference. Four of uh, Virginia's five losses have come away this year. They are six and four on the road uh, in 2022-2023. They do currently have three players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Armand Franklin's 12.4 points, 4.2 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field and 39% from three. Then you've got the veteran Kihei Clark, 11.6 points, 2.7 rebounds, 5.7 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field and 40% from three. And then their big guy, Jaden Gardner, 11.3 points, 5.2 rebounds. Uh, He's shooting 51% from the field. Of course, we all know Virginia, a very well-played defensive team. They give up 60.2 points per game, which is the ninth fewest in the country. But, you know, something that we really lamented the first time that we, we, we've met up with Virginia, and it hasn't really improved uh, here recently, is that as good as they are defensively, and make no mistake about it, the best defensive team in the league, they're they're not as good on offense, which makes them a lot more vulnerable. Like when they had Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, and those dudes, they were still first a really really good defensive basketball team, but there was an offensive firepower for them that they could they they could score with you in the sixty fives in the seventies. Uh, as opposed to playing games in the 50s and the 60s where this Virginia team is a lot more comfortable. And so I think that's something that Carolina's got to to really find a way to exploit in this game is that you play the game in the 50s or the low 60s, this team's going to beat you because mm-hmm. that's where they, they play their best. But if you can get this game to the 70 percentile, you have a really good chance to win because they just don't have enough guys that can put the ball in the basket at that type of volume. And so um, the funny thing is, is Carolina hasn't scored 70 points in their last seven games. So even for them, if they get well outside of the game against Clemson, excuse me. So it's six of their last seven games they haven't scored. That that game almost feels like it's not reality at this point. Yeah, like six of their last seven games they they failed to score 70 points in or something like that. So it feels like if Carolina gets to 70 just off of re, uh, of recent bias, that would probably tell you that Carolina wins the game. Yes. Which makes it all the much more important in this game that, that Huber Davis and the staff, they, they put together an offensive game plan that leads to them being both effective and efficient on that end of the floor. And and it's simple, man. Go inside. This team's built. It's not the exact same as Notre Dame, but it's similar in that they, I mean, Vanderplas is a guy that's going to stretch the floor on the offensive end. He can rebound, but he's not great. And then you got Armand Franklin, who's smaller, but just works hard. I think Carolina's game plan has to be almost kind of, you know, what what we were saying when we were recapping that game against Notre Dame. You 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 may have to go with the too big look almost. And I get it. There's still gonna be times where you want to stretch the floor, but let's be honest. I mean, threes are just not going for anybody really on this team, but definitely not Pete Nance right now. We've seen him have his most success in the post. So let's get the ball 
to the post. I think that's that that's got to be where Carolina goes in this game. And their guards need to be able to get downhill. I, I know it's going to be tough. Virginia's going to pack it in in the paint. They run the pack line defense. Which should be illegal. But, I mean, look, man. It's that 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 has to be your game plan for success. It worked last year when you needed to win games against this team a year ago. It's it's got to work again, and I think that's that's something that you, you know Carolina I think is capable of because yeah, as you mentioned, man, this team, this Virginia team, they look very similar to the pre-national title good uh, Tony Bennett squads. They're really good defensively. They're one of the best teams in the ACC. But they're probably going to be a five or six seed when it's all said and done. Maybe a four seed. And the biggest issue that they're going to have and the reason why you feel like they can get upset early is because they do not have the shooting that they need to win games. I mean, their shooting numbers have just been terrible here as of late. That performance they had the other night against Boston College was dreadful. I get Boston College is getting better, but to score 48 points in that game, and you can't say, well, what did Virginia have on the line? They're they're playing for an ACC regular season title. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that, that that definitely wasn't them just taking a night off. No, th- this is a team that has legitimate issues, and Carolina has to be able to exploit that. And I think you're right. If this team can get to 70, I find it hard-pressed to believe this Virginia team can match them there. And if they can, we got other issues we got to talk about. And when you look at this game from a Carolina perspective, 17-11 overall on the year, 9-8 and in the league. Still find themselves in that in, in that first four out column. Uh, when you look at NCAA tournament projections, they are eleven and two at home. And you know you look around the ACC this year. Virtually every team outside of frankly Louisville has a has a pretty good record at home. Um, the problem with Carolina is yeah they're eleven and two. There are two home losses: Miami and Pittsburgh. Now. You know, you look at the standings, Miami leads the league and Pittsburgh's a half game behind them. So it's not that you've lost to bad teams, but that's like this is why Carolina is where they are. Was that if Carolina would have won one of those two games or if they would have won both of those two games, guess what? Carolina wouldn't be on the outside looking in. And so it's gonna be it's it's the, the it's gonna be up to the players to of course to protect home court. But those of you in attendance, I urge you, you've got to create an environment that makes it tough for Virginia to come in here and win. It's got to be lively. This has to be arguably the second best crowd of the year. The only crowd that should top this game should be the Duke crowd. And, I mean, look, so far this year, the, the this fan base has brought it, man. Anytime that you've questioned, hey, they're struggling, what will this fan base look like? I mean, look at that Clemson game. There were some people questioning with the direction of the season – what that environment would be like. That was one of the best environments that we've seen for any game outside of State and Duke in a long, long time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that you're right, but there, there is – you got to give this group some, you know, these fans some credit, man. They've brought it so far this year. Not saying that they haven't, but you've got you've got to treat this game as if, from a fan's perspective, you should cheer as if you're cheering on your team to make the tournament. 
because that's what's happening right now. If Carolina yep. wins this game, I would imagine with where they are first four out, given their brand and stuff like that, you would see this team projected to make the field. Barring so, a loss to Florida State. So cheer that yeah. way. Cheer and, and put that and have that type of emotion into while you're in attendance because, guys, it, it, it makes an impact. Like you, you can see the way Carolina's looked on the road, where they've they've been really shell shocked at certain times. Uh, I.e., I mean Cameron, not so much, but I mean what happened in PNC just a week ago was was really eye opening. Make that same type of impact in this game because Virginia's road record would tell you that you know they don't they they don't have the easiest of time going on the road and winning. Uh, Carolina has three players right now averaging double figure scoring, still led by the big fella. Armando Baycott, 17.3 points, 11.1 boards, shooting 56% from the field. Caleb Love, 17.1 points, 3.5 assists, two or 3.5 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 39% from the field, 31% from three. R.J. Davis, 15.6 points, 5 boards, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field. 32% from three, and those numbers have really calmed down since that 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 injury at Syracuse, where he left in the closing moments after you know drawing that that game saving charge. He was shooting over 45% from the field and up to 38% from behind the arc. So whatever he's been dealing with post Syracuse is a is a direct correlation in his shooting numbers. Uh, kind of coming back down to where they were earlier in the year. Uh, Carolina is seventh in the country in rebounding at 40.0 rebounds per game and ninth in rebounding or in defensive rebounds at 28.4. Let's take a look back now at the first matchup between these two teams back again uh, in early January where Carolina actually led at the break. They led 29-27. This is one of those games that was a quad one game that Carolina led in, in six of the nine second halves. Uh, but ultimately, Carolina would fall 65-58. Uh, Vanderplas off the bench was huge for them, scoring 17 points, grabbed eight rebounds in 27 minutes. He hit three three-pointers, and everyone felt like a dagger. But I think the thing about this game and why I don't think there was a massive overreaction to the defeat for Carolina was Armando Baycott left a minute and a half into the ball game, mm-hmm. and Carolina was still there on the road in a place they haven't won in in over a decade. They still won the rebounding margin and gave themselves a chance to win. And look, we're not here for moral victories. That's not what this program is about. But you would imagine that if Armando Baycott can stay on the court for 30-plus minutes in this game, given how close Carolina was to winning the game on the road, that Carolina has a much greater chance to win the game this time around. Uh, R.J. Davis was still playing well at the time. He scored 16 points on 50% shooting. Caleb Love, just 13 points, 3 of 9 from behind the arc. Of course, this was the game that had everyone begging for more from Jalen Washington. And I say this in like in a joking manner. The worst thing he ever did was shine in that in that game. He scored 11 first half points, 13 for the game, and everybody thought, "Oh, this is what he could do game in, game out." And that just wasn't the case because in the first half he was really really good. But in the second half, the one adjustment that Tony Bennett did was they attacked him. Yep. And he got exposed. 
and that's okay because he's not only a freshman, he is a he's a freshman that was recovering from a major knee injury. And so I think you look at this game and with a healthy Armando Baycott, maybe a new offensive attack, no Pete Nance in this game, by the way. I think you feel a lot more comfortable at Carolina beating Virginia this time around as opposed to when they lost the first matchup. Yeah, oh, I, de- I definitely think so. I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird because I'm I'm with you when you when you add in Armando Baycott. Yes, the the th- problem that I have is that I don't think that this team is nearly as confident as they were when they played that game early in the year. So it, that's going to be the, the the interesting thing. I, I talked about it when we were recapping Notre Dame. I said the biggest thing moving forward for this team is confidence. And I think that's going to be a huge key to this game. The mindset of this team is going to determine their ability to win this game. On paper, they have a heck of a chance to win this game. Because, yes, I, I get it. Virginia right now. I mean, you would you would probably still say I, I don't know though third best team in the ACC. I would probably have as sick as this makes me. I would probably have NC State ahead of them. Uh, I would yeah. I, I like think, I think they're a better team right now. I still have them third with State ahead of them. I'd go Miami. Yeah, so Miami's clear number. I would one go here. Miami State, Virginia, Pittsburgh. Yes, I yeah. I think that's the way I'd order them as well. So. I mean, look, they're still up there because of how well they defend. But, yeah, this team offensively, they have a lot of issues. And the thing is, is that for Carolina, you you should be coming in playing desperate. And you're playing desperate with a heck of a lot more talent than most other teams that are playing desperate on the bubble. I mean, by a significant margin, because Kentucky is off the bubble as of right now. They are in the tournament field because of what they did to Tennessee. So, I mean, for Carolina, this, you know, you, you, the opportunity is there for you. This is not a team that's coming in rolling. And if you do the right things, if you do really, if you, if you copy the game plan almost to what you did in the first game, which is probably the one that Virginia is going to try to roll with again in this game. You're going to have Armando Baycott. If you can sort of build off of what you did the other night, primarily on the offensive glass, you should have a great shot to win this basketball game. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think this team is aware of that. I, I really do. Like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe their confidence isn't where it was the first matchup, but they're coming off a road win in a game where they didn't play well. Like, and so you should be confident in that. Like, you you now can look at the tape and say, we didn't play our best and we still won. It's felt like every time Carolina's won a game in the ACC this season, they played a really good game of basketball. In the games that they haven't, they've lost. That changed with that win at Notre Dame. And so, you know, I, I think also when your head coach is voicing openly that we got to play for our lives, I do think that resonates as opposed to a coach who doesn't vocalize that, hey, this is the position that we're in, because Schubert didn't do that a year ago. He never really acknowledged, hey, <laughs> we're on the outside looking in. He's acknowledged that now. As much as he preached patience on Sunday after State, he did say uh, after Notre Dame, our lives are on the line here. And I do think when that's communicated, 
that re- that that message, you know that that message resonates differently as opposed to, you know. And look, you you can still be up there preaching to the choir and singing kumbaya that good things are going to happen and stuff like that. But also when you tell your kids, hey, you're running out of time, I do think there will be a greater sense of urgency uh, in you know from the team in this game. And I think because and this is why I really challenge the fans. I think they set the tone. You know when you walk into the Smith Center if it's a big game or not. You can feel it. So when they walk out for warm-ups with an hour, 45 minutes to go before tip, and that there's there's that electricity in the building, you can hear it if you listen to pregame with, with Jones Angel and those guys. You can feel it when, when, when they're talking. If, 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 if that tone is set right from the get-go, mm-hmm. you know, then I think – I think the players would respond to that. And one of the things Schubert Davis talks about all the time is you come to Carolina to play in big games and big moments. This is a big game. This is a really big moment. Oh, it's a massive game. It's not the big game that we probably thought it was going to be back in November where we probably looked at the schedule and said, this might determine who wins the league. <laughs> Right now you're determining for... Just a bit off. You know, right now you're just trying to play your way into the field. This is a really big game. And so I feel like if that tone is set and practice leading up by Hubert, mm-hmm. followed up by the fans, by the way that they just carry themselves leading up to the game, up to the tip-off, I, I do think our players would respond positively to that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think there's any reason to believe that won't happen. I mean, ga- the game's at 6. This is a primetime matchup. I-, I really do feel like they are going to bring it. Because, look, as, as much... As I mean, I mean, we're we're, I mean, we're right in that same boat at times. As critical as we are with this team, as critical as the majority of the fan base is with this team, they will go there. They will support this team. And I mean, look, if, if this team makes the tournament, then I mean, look, I wouldn't say that you're satisfied, but there will be a lot of people that will say, "Hey, they 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 at least accomplished something." From where they were at in this, you know, after the game against State, because I think a lot of people, and I mean, I'm I, I was in that same mindset, and I mean, look, it is a hell of a road as of right now. You you cannot falter along the way here, but a lot of people thought, yeah, that's the final nail in the coffin. Well, this team has the chance to prove that that is not the case. The fan base, they will do their part to help back them up. It's it's just about, you know, can they come out and, and beat a team that, look, yeah, you're right, they haven't won up there in over a decade. But they beat this team last year in the Smith Center. Handedly. And, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, they, this is not, I mean, this team, they're a little different from that group a year ago. Not by much. So you should have the confidence to know you can beat them in your place. And as you mentioned, six and four on the road. Lot. I mean, it, really, that is throughout college basketball. College basketball almost becoming like, as you tell me, I am not a fan. I do not watch, unfortunately. I have not been able to fit that into my sports schedule. Never really been able to get into it. But the Premier League, it's almost becoming a little like that. Maybe not as daunting, but it's really, really hard to go into other other teams' buildings and win, and that's that's how it seemed. Carolina's got to make this an intimidating environment and come out and really punch Virginia in the mouth. Well, guys, we've set the scene. We've got you up to date with Virginia. We've got you up to date with Carolina. We've looked back at the first matchup. 
Now it's time to break down our keys to the game and pick the game. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll give our keys to the game. We'll, we'll, and we'll pick the game on the Four Corners podcast back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We do really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. The first key to the game I have written down, now you guessed it, it's shot selection. And, and I really went in on this and when we were talking about the win over Notre Dame is that I do think that a a shift in a in an in offensive philosophy could effectively save the season. And that's scrapping the four round one, that's scrapping wanting your guards to create and settle for perimeter jump shots, and that's just pounding the ball inside right at your opponents. They did it to Notre Dame to the tune of a 52-33 rebounding margin, including 23 offensive rebounds that led to 23 second chance points. Virginia's a little bit deeper than than Notre Dame is, but their size is kind of what Notre Dame's size is, and meaning that it's vulnerable. And so, you know, you didn't have Armando Baycott, you didn't have Pete Nance in the first matchup. You still beat them on the you still out rebounded them. I would imagine with those two guys on the court playing thirty plus minutes, you're gonna out rebound them again, and now you can attack their defense through those two guys. And and so um, you know, Carolina can't look do they do they have to make perimeter shots in this game? Yes. If they go two of twenty three from deep, I don't see them winning the game. But I think that if you pound the ball inside, you pound the ball inside, you pound the ball inside, at some point that pack line defense is gonna collapse and now Love and Davis are getting a lot more cleaner looks from beyond the arc, mm-hmm. and they can make those shots the, at, at the frequency that we need them to be to, to make them to really get this offense in gear. And so, um, I I I, I want to see this team attack inside out. I want to see them go at Jaden Gardner. I want to see them go at Shedrick. I want to see them go at whoever Vanderplas at those guys relentlessly make those guys guard you. And if they don't or and if they do and you miss the shot, 
well, then go get the miss because they're not a good rebounding team. They've proven that in the first matchup. And so I think if Carolina puts together the right game plan, it's not the game plan that Huber Davis wants to maybe roll out there, but if they attack this game the right way, mm-hmm. I do think they can have the type of offensive success you got to have against Virginia to give yourself the chance to win. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing, I, I just, I hope these guys, these guys realize that. That this has to be what you do moving forward because it was just, it was so successful in that second half against Notre Dame. And this team, they, they, they are a very similarly built team to that one that you just saw in Notre Dame. It's nearly identical almost. So why not bring that same game plan in there? Why not? The main thing is, why not try to play two bigs, two around three? Because, I don't know, you get closer to the basket. You get easier shots. This team is not hitting the difficult shots from the outside. They're just, they're not going. So, why not put the ball inside and get some easier looks? Now, look, I I think one of the things, we saw it again in the game against the Fighting Irish, I thought there were times where Carolina made it much tougher on themselves having to either go to the free throw line to make shots or coming up empty when they had really great opportunities at the rim. They still have to finish better better at the rim. Um, I mean, the, the best example was that uh, just a great inbounds pass late in the game to Leaky Black and misses the layup underneath. Luckily, the shot clock reset which I, to this, I, I don't understand how that actually reset. Not complaining, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's you, you've got to be able to capitalize on opportunities like that. But you saw when Carolina made that effort to get to the basket, it worked. And then, yeah, I think, and I don't know if you have that as, as, a, as a deeper key here. We've actually had some football news that I am currently toggling back and forth between here. Mm-mm-mm. But offensive rebounding as a you could just put that as a key in this game cuz to me i know this team hasn't rebounded great throughout the year not like the, the like the the Toriel teams were used to i mean dude that putting the ball up just throwing ball you know throwing these shots up i'm not saying be completely out of control but driving to the lane getting shots up and then crashing the glass. That needs to be a major part of what Carolina does, especially here over these, really these next two games for sure. Duke, that might be a little bit different because we've seen that they've been able to rebound the ball. They did a great job rebounding the ball in the first matchup, but especially against Virginia and Florida State, Carolina's game plan should be to try to hit those offensive boards as hard as they possibly can because it it will lead to a lot of success. So I think that's the thing. Get the ball inside and take, you know, find a way to crash that offensive glass and finish those second chance points. We didn't really talk about it in 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 the Notre Dame recap. One of the things that Carolina's really struggled with with their offensive rebounds, they weren't even averaging a point per offensive rebound. The other night, 23 points on 23 offensive rebounds. You'd like it to be a little bit more than that for sure, but that's still a step in the right direction. Yeah, and no, rebounding was the final key to the game because 
you know, no one's believed me whenever I've told them that rebounding is more important than shot making. A lot of people that know a lot about basketball, maybe more than me, maybe not, just kind of look at me. But it was evident the other night because Carolina didn't – I mean, they didn't shoot the Dickens out of it, but they rebounded the Dickens out of it, I, and they won. I, You have not used that term in a while. I was very, very concerned about where <laughs> that was going. And, and so, yeah, like – yeah, like I always say with offensive rebounds – I would love to see you average a point and a half per offensive rebound. Yeah, which I think is I think is achievable. You yeah. know, like 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 two if I'm feeling greedy. Like now when you're playing like the Sisters of the Poor and the Blind Schools, yes, you should average two, hell, maybe even three points per offensive rebound. You're not playing against those type of schools now in the ACC. You give me a point and a half or one point seven five. Not gonna gripe. Wait, did Louisville not qualify as that earlier? Oh no, I mean, they, they did. were close. They, they were did. damn close. Even though Corey Alexander doesn't think at four and twenty-four, they're sneaking up on anybody, um, which is a whole different topic for what? another different discussion. Oh my god, we could do a whole podcast on Corey Alexander, dude. I I, I think I'll do oh. one about. Uh, Alexander and Cornette. It sounds like a law oh form. Oh, my God. It, Again? It, it, this it, is two in a row. You know, it, Let it, that man live. It sounds like a law firm, but... Uh, he does he does good stuff in the studio. Oh, He's they're versatile. All, they're they're both on. awful. No, they're, Alexander is terrible. I, I, I'm would sorry. Much, I would much rather listen to animals fornicate than listen to those two guys talk about oh basketball. God. Again. Oh, my Lord. You... Uh, yeah, that's how, folks. This is two podcasts in a row where you. Are, I'm telling you, this man has kept it in check for 200 plus episodes of this podcast. Yeah, well, when you're 17 and 11, and everything is on the line, you are just letting it all, it, all you know, fly. The line, the line is invisible to you at this point. The line is cro- a dot to you. You have crossed it and just kept going. But ah. so, so you know, yeah, I want to see. You know, you give me one and a half, one point seven five, and the biggest reason why is yes, they have struggled at the rim because I don't know what type of layup drills they do. I don't know if Armando Baycott has to finish through contact in practice. I don't know, but the biggest reason why they have struggled to convert off of missed shots that they've offensive rebounded is they feel whoever grabs the offensive rebound. They feel an entitlement to shoot the ball. That's not the way it works. Just because you grab the ball doesn't mean that you don't have to uh, shoot the ball. So put the ball back outside to Love, Davis, Pete Nance at the foul line, whoever, and start over. And because it's, it's called a it's called a reset. You know, it's not going to not count as a second chance point because you just immediately shot the ball after a miss. It's still going to count as a second chance point. So, yes, I, I, I do think that that's an area that Huber Davis and this staff need to need to exploit, and it's a lot easier to do that if Pete Nance is down low. Like, he can't get the rebounds that we yep. want him to get if he's standing out there at the three-point line. And, look, we, we – I mean, and we, we can both admit this. We have said throughout the year that – he has not been a good rebounder. He has played soft, and that has been there at times. The other night, that looked like the guy we thought we were getting from Northwestern. Am I am I correct on that? 
Um, I mean, clearly not as a guy that stretches the floor, but as a rebounder, we 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 thought this was the type of player that Carolina was getting. We talked about in the preseason. Well, the, the Carolina did, almost playing two bigs, basically. The, the thing he did the other night, which he hasn't done all year long, was he realized I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm better than you. And he attacked. And he's going to be faced. I mean, it's going to be the same thing in this game because they basically, I don't know how they do it at 6-4. Dude, Armand Franklin basically plays the four for them. It's a very odd way of playing basketball, but it is that that's how they play. So, you know, uh, yes. Like, if, if, if Carolina exploits them in the rebounding department, which I would imagine they do with Bacon and Nance on the floor in this game, again, like I've been saying over and over again, that type of stuff negates poor shooting, whatever. The one thing that they can't do in this game, though, and I st- and is is they they can't turn it over. They committed yeah. thirteen turnovers in the first game, and that really just derailed their chances of winning. And that that that, that got really hard when you were compromised with the absence of Baycott. Even though you were at home and you have those two guys back, thirteen turnovers is too much. And this is something that when you look at the last couple games. Outside of NC State, it it they've done they've done a much better job at not turning the ball over. The thing about State was well, it wasn't that they turned it over too much. It was that they didn't turn over State enough to really equal it out because they turned it over thirteen times and State scored just sixteen points off of them. It wasn't like there was a massive gap. Or there wasn't like there was a massive number for points off of turnovers. There was just a massive disparity because Carolina only forced three and scored three off of their miscues. In this game, though, we know how important possessions are. You're not going to play 65, you know, you're not going to play 70, 75 possessions. You might you might get to about 60, 65 if we're being honest here. That's that's a really high number for these games, which means that every possession matters. And, you know, they had eight turnovers in the first half at Notre Dame on Wednesday, just one in the second half. They got to value and protect the ball they would, they did in the last 20 minutes at Notre Dame for a full 40 in this game against the Wahoos. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're, you know, lately Carolina has had some issues turning the basketball over. I mean, and there, there are some ones, I mean, in that first half, there were ones that just left me scratching my head. They looked like 2K turnovers, where guys, where a guy literally just stands in front of you, you lose the ball, and you ask yourself, how in the world did we just lose the ball? I mean, there, there, there were ones the other night. There was one in particular where Caleb Love literally just, I don't know what happened. Did he miss dribble? And the ball just, he dribbled it basically right into the hands of the defender, who wasn't even that close to him. I was like... What in the world is happening here? So they have to avoid those types of turnovers and just turnovers altogether, like you said. With a team that's as slow-paced as this is, and we we talk about this every time they play Virginia. So at this point, you would imagine the coaching staff has hammered it into them as well. All you got to do is take care of the basketball in this game, and you're going to have a great chance to win this one because this this team is not good offensively. They need those extra possessions to be able to put a little bit of distance in between you. And for them, I mean, let's be honest, at times distance in a Virginia game is like six points. But those are the things that Carolina has to avoid. One of the big issues in the first game was that Jalen Washington in that second half turned the ball over a lot. As we said, at this point, can't really guarantee it because 
Nothing is guaranteed with Hubert Davis's rotations at this point. We don't expect to see a lot of Jalen Washington in this game. So with a more experienced guy in Armando Baycott, who has been faced with a lot of double teams so far this year, he's had to learn how to be a little bit better with the bas- with taking care of the basketball, you would feel like Carolina has a good chance of being able to take care of the ball in this game. I think it mainly just comes back to how well can those guards take care of the basketball. And I think, you know, along with with that, when you talk about the guards, they have to move the basketball well in this game. They have to find ways to rack up some assists here. Because the other night, they had no assists in the first half, eight assists overall in the game, and five of them were from Pete Nance. Mm-hmm. You you are the guys that are initiating the offense. You have to be able to move the ball better. So I, I, th- those are those are the main things for the guards. I think in this game, you know, get downhill, take care of the basketball, and move the basketball well. Carolina enters with a fifty four point nine percent chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. I think Carolina gets the job done because I think they know what's on the line here. I I, I think they I think the tone's going to be set in practice. I think the energy will be met by the hopefully twenty two plus thousand people in the stands wearing Carolina blue on Saturday night, and I think they rise to the occasion because I think they know they with a win tonight they feel a lot better about their chances to go and compete for an NCAA tournament. This wouldn't be a bad loss if you were to lose the game, but it would be a deflating loss because then all the pressure in the world is on you in that game against Duke. And even though you did it last year, and even though this game would be at home, you never know what happens in those games because it's a rivalry. You throw the records out. You, you you don't want to put yourself in that position for a second consecutive season to try to have to take down your arch rival to punch your, tic- uh, your, punch your ticket to March Madness. So I do think Carolina does get the job done and take a massive step to uh, to securing an NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense why, but because you no, know, because they're capable of they're capable of winning the game as yeah, bad as they've been. I, I get it. As inconsistent as they've been. They're more than capable of beating what oh, is a really that. good Virginia team. We know that, but it feels like every time that we've wanted to believe in this team, they've come up short this year. But I think in this game, it shows through. I really like the matchup because I think that Virginia is vulnerable. I, I don't think I, I I think that scoring forty eight I I don't envision Carolina holding this team to forty eight if they want to feel free, but I I do think that Virginia has real problems on the offensive end of the floor, and I think that bodes well to a Carolina team that has struggled on the offensive end of the floor too, but maybe found a little something in that second half against Notre Dame going up against a team that plays a very similar style to what Notre Dame did the other night. So I think Carolina gets it done. I think the environment that we talk, you talked about earlier, I think it is going to be really good in this game. 
I, I, I think Carolina finds a way to win this one. And look, I, I think, yeah, the mindset has to be that we've got to get it done in this one. Because, yeah, as of right now, Duke would be a quad one win. The thing is, is that nothing with this net rating system is guaranteed. So you don't want to have to rely on that being your only quad one win. Really, in, in a lot of people's minds, your only good win of the season. So you've got to find a way to get it done against Virginia, and I think they do. No matter the result on on Saturday night, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog.com where you'll be able to find a preview of this all-important matchup. And, of course, there'll be a recap posted the night of as well as I continue to take you through uh, the remainder of the basketball season. Uh, as for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!